In the whole world, but very much in the U.S., there's a real sleep crisis a bit. The average sleep in America is about like six hours and 15 minutes, I think, on average. Welcome to the Glam and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, head of partnerships at Wavebreak. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Hey guys, really excited about today's episode. Today on the show, we have Emmanuel Ray, CEO and founder of Uni Beauty. Welcome on the show. Thank you. So for all the people listening who are not familiar with Uni, tell me a little bit more about the brand and how you started. Uni Beauty is what you probably would call a clean, natural beauty brand, a sustainable beauty brand. It's a collection of skincare, body care, hair care, aromas for people that are very much into wellness and self-care. Uh, with a, a focus on three key needs. Uh, one is to save time, to restore health, and to relieve stress. So very much from solutions that would help you to, you know, like I say, save time, relieve stress, etc. To start with, as you can hear, I'm not from Iran here. I'm from Paris in <laughs> France, but I've been in the U.S. now for quite a while. I come from the beauty industry. I worked for very large corporations for many, many years. 10 years for the L'Oreal Group in Europe, 10 years for the Estee Lauder companies here in, in North America. I was the general manager of a company called Aveda, which is uh, one of the pioneers in, in clean and natural beauty, plant-based beauty. And actually, after 20 years in the corporate world, my wife and I, we traveled around the world. We took a long break and we became yoga teachers in Greece. We did our teacher certification in Greece. That was in, in 2012. While talking with our fellow students, we discovered that you know, there was... Very, a very strong consistency in terms of apparel, uh, you know, with people wearing like, you know, Lululemon, Lona Jane, Athleta, those brands. But when we were talking about beauty products, there was not one brand that was the go-to brand for people in search of wellness and very active in their lifestyle. And so we thought that that was an interesting, you know, white space. And from there, you know, we uh, imagined different concepts and about four years ago, we started to launch our first few products, mostly body care and, and aroma, on our website, in some yoga studios, very clearly, quickly in uh, green beauty retailers like the Detox Market or Credo Beauty. From that point on, we, uh, we expanded our distribution quite a bit uh, throughout mostly in North America for the moment, but in a few months in Europe and Australia as well. So what does wellness and mindful beauty mean to you? That's a really deep question. That's what I asked. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to make it simple, uh, let's talk about two different sides of it. The wellness approach, right, which is very much how you can have a lifestyle that is or moments in your life that are very much dedicated to yourself. When I say that, I really mean that not from a physical point of view, but also emotional, mental, psychological different aspects of your of your personality and your and your life essentially on that side wellness means um really to be mindful about what you go through and being very respectful of your head and 
and your life in general. That's what wellness is about. It's very much about taking care of yourself, really, actually, self-care. In our case, our tagline is, is mindful beauty, right? In that sense, what we look at is that for us being mindful means that we basically don't sleepwalk in life, right? We try to really add value and be thoughtful about pretty much everything we do. So from the products we make to the relationships that we have with uh, other people, uh, uh, with our consumers, for example. So we try to really add value in pretty much all we do. For us, that's what it means to be, to be mindful. And obviously, in the case of like a sustainable, uh, eco-friendly brand, it's, it obviously means also that you know, it is very much caring about the planet in terms of, uh, of the environment. I love that. So to touch on that from the consumer perspective, I think we're all becoming much more mindful about the types of products we use and and our impact on the environment. Would you say this is becoming more of a universal trend or do you still see key differentials in different markets, for example, the US versus the European market? The beauty industry, let's say, and I think it's true for a lot of industries, but the consumer is going through phases, right? So about three, four years ago in the beauty industry, the whole clean beauty movement sort of came on. So essentially, which was not using toxic ingredients. And then after that, you know, came natural, plant-based, vegan type of thing. Now we, we are now in the moment where it's more about sustainable packaging. We started very much with all this from the get-go, right? So because we had such a knowledge of previous lives. For example, in our case, we make all our products in, uh, in solar-powered and wind-powered factories. That's probably the next step that's going to happen in, in that evolution of what the consumer is being aware of and expecting. But to your point, and this is a really interesting point, is that the maturity of the consumer, or let's say the information level, is very different from one part of the world to the other. In the US, for example, when you want to make a product, a beauty product, Legally speaking, you are not allowed to use a handful of products. It's really limited. You know, think 70 ingredients that the law is telling you, the regulation is telling you, don't touch this because you're going to poison people, basically. In the EU, for example, you're talking about, I can't even remember the right number, but something like 20,000 ingredients that are forbidden. As a consequence, you know, the type of formulation and also the level of education of the consumer is quite a bit higher in other places like Europe or Japan, for example, but mostly really Europe or Australia. I would say that probably the further are probably the EU and Canada for the silicones, but EU overall, I would say. So yes, there's, there's a very much a difference in, in terms of the maturity of every market, but it also depends on what aspect. So for example, conversely, I would think that the EU might be a bit behind in terms of uh, sustainable packaging. Whereas, you know, in the U.S., we are, because of like a bunch of us bugging the plastic industry for years and years, it made quite a bit of progress here. Depending on what topic you want to focus, the level of maturity is different in, in different parts of the world. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, hopefully in the U.S., we'll uh, catch up sooner than later in regard to uh, the, the list of uh, ingredients. Right. But so, you know, the thing is that some of it might, be, might sound a bit complicated, one of the things that didn't work, that doesn't really work, is that certifying bodies, right, exist around the world for essentially clean and natural beauty. Cosmos or EcoCert or, you know, that sort of uh, things. Unfortunately, there's not one that has really taken the whole world. So it's different per region. And so 
it was interesting because it's a, it's a simple way for the consumer to, to say, okay, this is a clean product, right? But the, the problem is that the definitions are, are so different that we sort of like misinformed the consumer. And I have to be completely clear with you. There's a very big difference in treating the consumer here in the U.S. versus Europe, right? Somehow, the consumers here in the U.S. are not very well equipped to be demanding towards a particular industry to change. I'll give you a very simple example that you're gonna, you, you're completely, uh, you will understand very clearly. Here in the U.S., for example, when you take the, the, the back of a beauty product and you look at the ingredients list, right? Yes. For trade secret reason, you can not disclose the list of ingredients that you have in your fragrance. So you see in the back, you see that word like fragrance slash uh, perfume, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a catch-all type of thing, right? And so within this, you have... You can have synthetics. You can have essential oils. For example, we, are, we only use essential oils, right? But so it's, uh, you know, the, the problem is that you hide quite a bit. And so the irony of that is that then the consumer thinks, the consumers that are interested in natural uh, beauty, they think that because you have written in, on your product fragrance, that necessarily means that it's synthetic, which is not true. Right, because if you use essential oils, you also have to call that fragrance. The problem is not simple, and when you have to decide in one second or three seconds to pick up a product on the shelf at uh, you know wherever you shop, it's a lot to think about for a very short um, decision-making process. There's one thing that is I think interesting is that now you have some apps where you can you know you just read the. Uh, the, the barcode of the product and it gives you like right away a whole analysis of the product and its toxicity or green light, orange light, that type of, of thing. I don't know if you know those apps. Like yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm racking my brain for the name of one of them. I forgot, but I have used them in the past. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. There's one that is quite popular uh, in Europe and it's coming here. It's called Yuka, Y-U-K-A. It's, it's quite solid. That's great. Perfect segue into the next question. This was something I noticed on the website in the blog natural versus clean versus organic versus green. Do you know the difference? And to be honest, I don't. So I think listeners right. have to have a little clarity on that. Unfortunately, look, it's an industry where lobbies are very strong, right? So everybody has creates new words to say something different. And, and so for the consumer, I can imagine it's, it's, it's mind boggling. But anyway, clean means basically essentially that you don't have toxic ingredients in your formula. So there's a long list of ingredients that you don't use, right? So case in point, um, you know, uh, in point, uh, parabens, phthalates, uh, for some phenoxyethanol, uh, SLS, uh, sulfate, that sort of things, right? So that's the clean thing. Then you have, and the next one was uh, natural. So natural would mean that ingredients that can be plant-based or animal-based that are uh, not man-made, essentially. So all extracted or derived from nature. Within that, you're going to have one leg that is vegan. So it's all plant-based. Then you have another leg, where, which is, let's say, not vegan, but it can be vegan and or animal. Then I think you mentioned organic. So organic, one product can be organic, and that means that there are a number of ingredients in that formula that needs to be organic and by 70% usually, at least. And so by that, it means that the, uh, the ingredients is, has not been exposed to pesticides or insecticides uh, during its growth. 
in the natural form, like in a field, for example. And so you can use organic ingredients or your product can be certified organic, which means that not only the ingredients are organic, but the manufacturer facilities has also been certified organic. The green is very, very generic. Essentially, it means the formula is plant-based, so vegan, and that the packaging and all the manufacturing practices are somehow sustainable. I'm usually sold on these words, so it's great to have a little more clarity (laughs) and understanding the difference. Right. Uh, Beauty sleep to me is no joke, and I see several uni products emphasize the importance of sleep, which I think everybody can relate to. So can you tell me some of the benefits your products have in helping us to get a great night's sleep and uh, some beauty rest? So, I mean, you know, when you were interested in wellness, obviously, I mean, uh, sleep is a big part of that, right? In the whole world, but very much in the U.S., there's a real sleep crisis a bit. You know, I think I don't have the the stats. I I could send you the stats, but it's really incredible. It's like the average sleep in America is about like six hours and 15 minutes, I think, on average. 70% of the people report having sleep troubles. Either they, they don't sleep enough or they wake up the whole time and they feel tired all the time. And we're very much in a country where we are in that cycle where you drink a lot of coffee and then at night you drink alcohol or other things to supposedly sleep better. So it's, it's a cycle that is not very healthy. And so for us, we got interested in that because we wanted to have a holistic approach to it. We created four different products, skincare, body care, a pillow spray, and a supplement, Right. In the skincare approach, it's very much about, you know, the renewal of the skin, the renewal of the cells. So that's a bit of a classic approach. The difference here is that we use an ingredient called bakuchiol, which is a type of retinol that is a plant-based retinol and not... uh, Oh, that's good to know. That's a great tip. Yeah, not irritating for the skin. So it's quite interesting. Uh, We have uh, what we call bedtime body essence, which is actually a very light moisturizer that you apply on your body before you go to bed. And that formula contains actually melatonin. Oh, okay. As you probably know, melatonin is one of the many ways that that can help you to sleep more soundly. Using that in a body moisturizer like this is interesting because it creates, on one hand, it has true moisturizing virtues and that sort of things, but it absorbs very quickly and it creates a bit of a ritual for you to to create at night. And it's infused with a blend of um, essential oils that is uh, very much around the aromatherapy for sleep. The same blend of essential oils is used for the pillow spray, which essentially you spray on your pillow and your linen before you go to bed. And it's going to create, again, this mood to sleep. It's based on, you know, uh, um, like you have essentially bergamot, citrus, neroli in in that formula. So things that are very, and a bit of lavender as well, things that are very much uh, around relieving stress, right? And the last thing is an oral spray that we call slumber oral spray. It's a liquid, it's a spray, right? That you spray in your mouth probably like 20 minutes, half an hour before you go to bed, right? In that you have melatonin, you have GABA. Uh, I don't know if you GABA, but GABA is um, it's a hormone precursor for sleep. You have ashwagandha root, which is a stress relief root. You have passion flower, different plant-based ingredients that are very strong to uh, help you sleep, right? So it's, it's a supplement you spray once or twice in your mouth, maximum four times, right? If you really, really light sleeper, but it's a very, very effective formula. What it does is that not only it leads you to sleep, but also it relaxes you, right? Uh, the ashwagandha root, for example, is very good for that. 
the idea here is not necessarily to sleep longer, right? It's really seven hours, right? But to have a very, very restful type of sleep uh, as opposed to waking up every three hours and that sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds like a dream product. One of the great advantages of that, in my opinion, because I tried a lot of different things, is that as a spray form, you can really... Yeah, doesn't uh, the body digest it faster? There's definitely that. It's a very small spray, right? So you don't spray a whole lot in your mouth. What is interesting is that you can really vary according to what you want to do. You can spray just once if you want to have like a very solid sleep. Let's say you're going on a plane and you want to, uh, to have a solid sleep for like, let's say you fly back to Europe for like six hours. If you're going to be home and you know that you, you can sleep in the morning, for example, you, you might do two. If you're a big guy and you are like at 200 pounds or 250 pounds, you might want to use three. As opposed to pills where it's just like zero or one. But yeah, that's you a great have, point. That's a yeah. very good point. You have a little bit more control over, a, that's right. over your reaction. So I do love that. So segueing into trends, aside from clean beauty, what are some trends for 2021 that you're seeing in the beauty space and how does uni beauty fit in? A big question mark is, of course, you know, the whole COVID impact on the consumer behavior for beauty products, right? But I mean, I think that there's, there's a general sense of stronger self-care or a general awareness of it. It's interesting because on one hand, I would think that people are going to use less makeup because they go out less. And I think it's actually a good thing, to be honest. But at the same time, I think people are, are, I want to discover uh, new rituals. So I, I believe in rituals for this moment, especially with the, the self-care in mind. I very much believe in the fact that the people really want to manage their stress level. And I think it's a long-term thing, really, especially with younger people. I mean, I'm an old guy, right? But I mean... I, I don't know with, about that, but... <laughs> I'm very old. I'm very old. <laughs> You're definitely using your products then, so... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. appreciate it. The young people that I work with, I mean, I'm amazed by the amount of anxiety and... and you know, that they, they have it, they're more aware of it. And the interesting thing is that they really want to do something about it. So I think that whole stress, anxiety, sleep, I think those are long-term trends. It's only, not only for 2021, but I think it's going to be for the years to come. As I say, conversely, I do see that I'm not sure that makeup is going to come back to where it was pre-COVID. It's going to take a little while. There's a general trend of people to be way more aware of how important their, their health is, their immune system. All those things, it's so top of mind that I think the people are just much more educated and, and are, are ready to change habits in their life in order to be able to tackle that. And actually, probably one of the, the interesting consequences of the COVID and staying home and that sort of thing is that we all had to think about that. Essentially, you had two choices. Either you're going to get drunk or, or, or stoned every night. <laughs> Which a lot of people did. Most probably. But then at some point you think, okay, I mean, okay, fine. But I mean, when you've done that, like, you know, like many days in a row, then I think, uh, it, then you realize that you might have a psychological problem. And then from that point on, you take your health in, in a different direction, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think 2020 caused all of us to take a, you know, a major look at our health and our, um, just our routines. And uh, I definitely tried to be as healthy as possible in 2020. And it was not easy. So in talking about COVID, how was it for you in terms of the business? Like, what were the impacts that you had, positive and negative? 
major impact because um, in, in terms of pure business, right? For you to understand, right, in our case, uh, we come from a big chunk of our distribution was brick and mortar. Obviously, as, as COVID kicked in, it became very challenging for two reasons. One is that some stores, Blue Mercury, Ulta, simply shut down, sometimes for months. Quite a few of them, they didn't necessarily have a great DTC um, section in, your, in their business. So, you know, we lost a lot of sales that were not offset, uh, compensated through e-commerce. The stores that remained open because they were more like general purpose type of stores, I guess, mm -hmm. what they were expecting brands to do was to invest a ton of money for them to drive consumers through the doors. Right, so they were really expecting a lot of brands to contribute way more for them to maintain their business. And the third consequence was that pretty much all the retailers changed their payment terms, extended their payment terms, sometimes dramatically. For a startup like or like a young business like mine, incredibly difficult. And I'm not even talking about the retailers that closed down altogether. Of course. In our case, we didn't have any, so we were very lucky for that not such a positive side of it. As a consequence of all this, I had to completely restructure the P&L the of my business. I had to reduce the, the amount of time that I was employing some people. I had to let people go. The positive thing is that I think it really forced us to think in a different way. Obviously, the obvious things were you know, about like, okay, how can you, uh, you know, beef up your DTC? How can you beef up your Amazon business? All those things, right? I think the lesson for the future is you want to have a type of distribution that is very much balanced between brick and mortar, DTC, uh, marketplaces. You want to be balanced. You don't want to be in the hand of like a couple of guys. I think in terms of productivity, it changed a lot of things. So we went for very essential stuff. We went for cash generating short-term strategies. Uh, we had to uh, really select the long-term projects that we could work on, all those things. So it, it really forces you to be extremely selective and to decide, which is, I think, positive because it makes you more frugal. And so, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, you actually become quite creative. For me, I'm all about adding value, right? So being more creative is always interesting. Financially, it's a difficult moment. The, the surprising thing is that we actually expanded our distribution, I would say the second half of, of last year, in ways that we didn't expect at all. So we started to work with a, a company called Dix Sporting Goods. Oh, wow, yeah. Dix Sporting Goods, because of the pandemic, had like a huge amount of business of people buying home equipment. They thought, okay, how can we really sort of like have a more holistic approach of health and wellness. And so they decided to go into uh, beauty products. And so we were one of the first ones to, to work with them. And they created this little space for wellness. It's quite interesting, but it was not expect, expected at all. So for example, to go way faster in terms of expanding inter internationally, I was mentioning to you that we are about to, uh, to launch in the UK and the EU. We had to find other avenues, right, to expand our business because here in the US, it was very, very much on a standstill. Definitely a very, very challenging time. So uh, in terms of marketing, uh, talk to me about 2020 and then moving forward for this year. 
obviously as Facebook ads are getting much more expensive, are you kind of planning to double down on retention or what's your plan? I take that you, you come from a very, um, I mean, you have a very strong digital expertise, right? Which I didn't have, right? So I had to really um, educate myself a bit about those things due to the, to the pandemic, actually. I agree with you, I mean, about the, the, the Facebook uh, uh, advertising uh, and to a degree Google Ads as well. For us, in terms of strategy, it's very much around two things. One is we have a fairly wide portfolio of products. We have about 24 different products or different formulas. So for us, it's important to expose our existing consumers to new products, right, to, to increase the average tr- transaction. For us, you know, an average transaction is about 50, $55, right? So it would be great to, to increase that a little bit more. Another thing is that we want to use the core of our followers to bring up some of their friends, right, referrals to the brand. The second step in about um, five weeks from now is that we're going to start our, uh, a loyalty program. One thing that we need to do is to increase our our repurchase rate or our retention rate. We vary from like 19 to 24%, right? But it's, uh, you know, it would be great to be like 25% would be a good number. I'm with you on the cost of Facebook advertising and the return on investment like eroding. I'm a bit disappointed by the whole connection between uh, social media and actual transactions. We try different ways and it's not great. It's a lot of work for not a great return. And for the moment, I would say for affiliates as well, it's, um, I would like to be able to do more about it. But it seems that you, in order to be successful, you, do, you need to do that really in mass. And I, I'm not sure that in terms of funds and infrastructure, we are completely equipped for that. If I could, I would probably try to dig a bit more into the affiliate approach of things. But definitely, uh, you know, in the, in the next um, nine months, I would say sampling on existing, uh, you know, referral and loyalty. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emmanuel, for coming on the show today. You have dropped tremendous value on this episode. So for the people who this really resonated with, where can they find more information about yourself and your company? Uh, Unibeauty.com. We have uh, quite a lot of information there and, and we have our uh, newest products, all those products about sleep that I was telling you about, they were there. Fantastic. I will make sure it is linked in the link down below. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show is produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.